build the best product. I've been involved in the Patagonia field testing program for a little over 20 years right now. For silent sports done in nature. That's the feeling. That's the feeling that I fell in love with with climate. Cause no unnecessary harm. Of organic cotton and recycled polyester to recycling the clothing to measuring our carbon footprint. Inspire and implement solutions to the environmental crisis. To give some love back to this river that doesn't have any. It's not getting any love. See what drives us at patagonia.com. Welcome to the Dirtbag Diaries, a duct tape and beer production, with additional support from Coat Racks and New Belgium Brewing. A few years ago, our good friend, photographer, and climber, Mikey Schaefer, was over visiting our duplex rental house slash office slash gear storage facility, and we were sitting around a table having dinner. We were chatting about all the random places we'd left. Closets, offices, cars, trucks, haunted houses, etc. When someone asked him, what was the strangest place you've lived, Mikey? And this was basically his answer. It was 2000 when I really, you know, when I left my parents' house, um, and there, there definitely became this point early on where I was kind of like, screw paying rent, you know? Like, I don't, I don't need to pay rent. I don't need to pay somebody else's mortgage. Like, I don't need to do that. Like, that's a waste of money for me. Like, I don't, I, why, why would I do that? I, I got kind of raised as like, from a, a businessman perspective, my dad's a businessman, and I, I looked at that, I guess, and been like, well, that, that just doesn't make sense to me. Like, why would I do that? Like, I, I shouldn't be paying to go to sleep, you know? Like, I don't need to, I don't need to pay somebody to go to sleep in their house. So I, uh, I definitely made it a goal to just never pay rent. I was like, I'm not going to do it. So I've never had a, I've never rented a room. I've never had, you know, never had my own bathroom. I've, none of that stuff. I'd known Mikey for a while, and I guess I never really thought about it. Mikey was always on the move, and it kind of made me realize, this dude is committed. Because while living on the road has shaped me as a person, altered my career, and given me so many great memories and friends, it also wasn't always an easy path. It's hard to make it work, whether from a financial standpoint or a comfort standpoint. After a few years, most people burn out, they start to get weird, or they're just chronically broke. Mikey wasn't any of those things. He was pretty normal. We've told lots of stories about people quitting their jobs, selling their worldly possessions, ditching mortgages to go relish a life lived on their own terms, a life lived out on the road. So we thought we'd mix it up. Passion leads to incredible things, even to the most American of dreams, to find a house Today, we present Mikey Buys a House. Settling down doesn't have to mean settling for something. I'm Fitzka Hall, and you're listening to The Dirtbag Diaries. And it's now in like a ten-minute dream in the passenger seat while the world was flying by. I haven't been gone The first time I ever actually went climbing was out at Fossil Rock, um, which is 
kind of down there outside of Tacoma. Well, my brother had met somebody who was a climber. Uh, you know, looking back, I don't think he was much of a climber, but we went out with him, and um, it was pretty classic. The, uh, they both tried to get the rope up on this uh, on this thing, and um, this turns out it's a 10D sport climb. And uh, neither of them got the rope up, you know, and it was just like, oh, do you want to try, you know? And, um, and so I was like, oh, sure, I don't know. I mean, you know, I never really climbed before, so I, like, tied in, and they had gotten up, like, three bolts, and then I um, went up there and, you know, quick draws on my harness and finished the pitch. And that was, like, my first real rock climb. Mikey was 13 years old. And, and for a long time, that was just kind of my vision of rock climbing. It was like, yeah, you'd led things, and it was really hard, and that's just kind of how you did it, you know, so. The climbing bug hit him hard, just as it does for many of us. I mean, pretty much right after, I mean, high school, um, since right after I graduated, um, you know, literally days, I would say, like a couple days, you know, me and a buddy, you know, got in my, uh, my, my beater pickup truck, um, fully loaded with, you know, cans of SpaghettiOs from Costco and uh, beef jerky and um, headed down to, to Yosemite um, for my first real, you know, real stay there in the valley. You know, and at that point I hadn't necessarily like gone all in, you know, if you will. Like I didn't realize I even could, you know, I didn't realize there was a whole culture um, of people that 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 just climbed. I mean, I, I still didn't even really understand that, I think. So I, I, you know, we did a summer there and I came back and, you know, I was still trying to follow the more standard course of life. And I was enrolled at, you know, community college um, outside of, you know, or in Tacoma. You know, I, I remember like picking my classes and I would only take classes on Tuesdays and Thursdays um, or Wednesday, just so that means I would have Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday off, uh, which was long enough to go on a climbing trip. So I kind of just, just trundled along there for for almost two years and and I would say you know I was I was not excelling um there because I was putting no energy into it um I was trying to climb just as much as I could still near the end of my two years when I would have gotten my associate's degree I was I was I was I mean approaching the end I mean I was it was probably like you know November so I, I, I only had a few more weeks left and um I, I, I just like I got to the breaking point, if you will, and I, uh, I I got asked to go climbing in down in Patagonia, and I made the decision to just walk away essentially from school. Like I just stopped going. Like that was it. I just didn't go anymore and flew to flew to Patagonia. I mean, you know, when I walked away, like I walked away. Like I was like. I, I, this is not at all for me. I think that decision has, you know, gotten me so much farther. I, I went all in. I was like, yeah, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go climbing. I don't know if I fully realized at that point, you know, like where, you know, where that road was going to take me. 
so the first car I ever slept in um, in high school was I, I drove a Saab hatchback, um, which was a pretty good bivy car actually because the back seats, you know, I, they, they would uh, fold down totally flat. So I spent quite a few nights in that car. Um, but then when I kind of, you know, got a little bit more serious about this, like sleeping in the car thing and traveling and climbing, um, I got uh, a Nissan pickup truck that was actually my brother's. We just switched cars. It was perfect for me. He definitely did not get the good deal. Um, he always made bad choices with cars, though. Um, so I got I got the pickup truck, and you know I put a little bed in the back of it, and ended up um, getting a, a job at the at the mountain shop, just a kind of you know entry level retail clerk job, and which I figured you know that that would allow me to climb a lot. Um, it turns out that actually didn't allow me to climb as much as I wanted. And I only, I, I didn't even make it the minimum two months. You know, the first job I, I got that really allowed me to really climb was I went back to Yosemite the next year. Um, and I got a job at the mountaineering school. I had no technical training as a climbing guide. Um, you know, I'd been climbing a while at this point. Um, but you know, the mountaineering school is pretty sought after position, um, in the guiding world. And I think at that point I was 21 or 22, I guess. Um, and I mean, I was by far the youngest person hired there. That definitely helped me, you know, for, I, mean, I worked there for six years as a climbing guide and we'd only work for, you know, five months out of the year. And I did well enough that I'd work those five months. And then I was off for seven months. I, I don't know how many days a year I climbed you know, during that period. But I mean, I, some, some, you know, years I guided 120 days and, you know, and that was in five months and then I climbed the other seven. So I, I kind of figured I was close to 300 days of climbing a year then. And then when I started guiding, um, not actually had a, a decent income, um, you know, was traveling for seven months you know, during the winter. I was like, it's time for a van. So I got a Chevy Astro van, um, which I still think is probably one of the best climber rides out there. And I, I managed to do, oh, like four and a half years in that thing. Um, and pretty full time, you know, I mean, I, even when I was in Yosemite, I, I stayed in the van. I, I, I had like one season where I opted for employee housing, but I was I was in the van. Even with more income and random gigs wiring cable cams for NFL games, Mikey remained dedicated to the road. He streamlined his life to accommodate his passions, and it worked. If you go out there and do what what you love, like I think doors open. You know, like your life will work out. You know, because and maybe you're gonna have less money than other people. Um, but, you know, like, you're definitely going to be doing what you want to do, and it's pretty hard to, you know, place a dollar amount on that. Mikey continued to follow the seasons through the West. He took trips to the great ranges of the world. Summers were for Yosemite. He met his longtime partner, Kate Rutherford. Winters, he skied or traveled south to climb or surf. You know, in the winters, like, you know, when you've got, you know, your skis and boots and gloves and goggles and, you know, you're trying to, you're trying to dry that stuff out every night. And uh, so I just had one of those little little catalytic heaters, um, you know, which are, which are great, 
little heaters, but they, they produce a fair bit of moisture and you're already trying to dry things that are soaking wet. And uh, so he's like, you know, I would wake up in the morning and, and I mean, the, the van would just be dripping. I mean, I, de- I had a sponge. I mean, I definitely had a sponge, you know, to like pull the moisture off the walls. And, um, you know, before I could drive anywhere, you know, it was like, you know, a 20 minute process of like, you know, idling the car and like, you know, getting enough airflow out of there. And it's hard. I mean, it's really hard, I think, to do the full winter. I mean, definitely in something like an Astro van. It is not, uh, it's not that glamorous. got obvious to me that if I wanted to continue, you know, this sort of lifestyle, I needed to upgrade to something even nicer. Um, and so I, I went big and I, I got a, a sprinter, you know, really made it nice inside. I knew it was going to be important to like make it as nice as I could if I wanted to, you know, stay happy in the van. And so that's the, that's the van I've lived in for the last five years. Around that time, Mikey also began to pour his energy into taking photos. Kate moved into the Sprinter. Photography began to pay the bills. He got the cover of National Geographic. He was succeeding. In the Sprinter, it became a mobile office, studio, gear shed, and most of all, a home. I think anybody that ever came over to the van and, you know, had dinner with Kate and I or, you know, I was able, you know, when we entertained people, um, you'd realize it was definitely a home. I, I definitely never considered myself homeless, you know? Uh, for the 13 years I was, you know, in my vehicle and various vans and stuff, I never once, you know, was like, I'm homeless, you know, and I never said that to people. I would never, ever even describe that as, as what I was, you know, I mean, I, you know, I had a home the instant I moved into my car, I made it one. The road was his home. Yosemite was his home. Patagonia was his home. The people who make our community, they were his home. Even then, sometimes it's nice to have your own place, a place where you can lay your head, where you don't have to scrounge for a shower or troll for wireless internet so you can send a work email. And maybe, just maybe, it would be nice to have something to return to after all those travels. I think it's been 13 years in my vehicle. That's, I mean, I've done my whole adult life, you know, and, and you know, being 33 and doing your whole adult life living in a car, it's like, oh, like, you know, like... I guess, you know, part of me is like, wow, I kind of, I did that, you know, like I did it like that, that I could check that one off, you know, like off the, off the list of like, you know, going on the ultimate road trip. It's like done. You know, I, I've done well enough in my career that I can afford to buy a house. And I don't know if I was necessarily, you know, I wasn't like super opposed to it, you know, in previous years, but with kind of my personal goal of not paying rent, um, I either had to buy a house, you know, or I didn't. Like, so in, in the, that transition is pretty hard, you know, like I had to like, you know, be financially secure enough that I could just buy a house, which hasn't happened until just the last couple years and so it never was even really an option you know to get a house this sounds like an easy thing but the truth is that our greater society if you live out on the margins 
People don't always know what to make of you when you decide to do something like buy a house, something considered more normal. Something that on a certain level is a bit conventional. It's hard to come in from the margins. Say you've never carried debt in your life. You've been good with money your whole life. You've been self-employed. It's actually pretty darn hard to take on debt to get a mortgage. If you've never paid rent, it's hard enough to get a rental. If you've lived in a van for 13 years, you're going to raise some eyebrows at the mortgage lender. When you go and, you know, you, you fill out that loan, you know, application sheet and, you know, it's like profession and you're like professional rock climber and professional photographer, adventure professional photographer, you, you know, there's definitely a, like a moment of like, well, what do you do? You know, hold on. I don't, I don't understand. Like, so you go climbing, you take pictures where? And so trying to convince, you know, a loan officer that actually what I do is, you know, that I have a stable income and that I have a career um, it was a challenge. The very the first time I got a loan, I, you know, I definitely got denied. I mean, they're like, no way, you're not even close enough. You know, I was like, what do you mean? You know, like I've saved plenty of money in the last couple of years. You know? And I think part of it is that they, they don't understand like my lifestyle, that I'm, I'm a climber. I'm really good at keeping my overhead low. After several rounds of haggling with the bank and failed attempts, Mikey and Kate managed to find a place in Central Oregon, just minutes from Smith Rock's classic bolted climbs. This was a big step. They'd gotten engaged a few months earlier. The woman who was selling the house turned out to be friends of friends of Mikey and Kate, people they knew through their travels. The stars were aligning. Three days before we were supposed to close, we get an email from like, you know, the, the, the mortgage officer and, and, and she's like, okay, the loan, whatever, head person is like, we need three letters from, you know, your people you've worked with in the past that says that, you know, you guys do what you do. And it was like, what? Like, we're, we're, we're going to close in three days and you guys want a handwritten letter from somebody stating that we're like, that we're actually making money or something? And it was just like, this is what it's going to come down to? A handwritten letter from somebody? Like, are you serious? Like, this is how you guys operate? Like, what should that have to do with it if, you know, I mean, I, it was just baffling that, that this is what they needed at this stage. Like, somehow we, we convinced the bank to, you know, give us a lot of money for 30 years. I feel too restless, too unwind. I'm always lost in thought as I walk a block to my favorite neon sign. It, it's Aunt Judy's house still, I think. <laughs> Because Aunt Judy used to live here. She's like, she was 70, 71, you know, cute old lady. So that's kind of, yeah, Aunt Judy's house. We got really lucky. Um, we got a special place. Um, I think everybody that's come over so far has really, has has really felt the same way. It, it's small, but it's also yet really big and, um, you know, a lot of, lot of space for, for guests, which was really important to us. We wanted, you know, to kind of be able to share um, our space now with others because I think a lot of people had done that for us in the past, you know, like either allowing us to park you know, a van in the driveway um, or, you know, or use their bathroom or shower occasionally. Oh, you know, we wanted a spot where like everybody's welcome. Did you feel proud um, that all your belief and your passion al allowed you to settle down kind of on your own terms or was it kind of weird to get the keys? The pride part's still coming, you know, as we make it a home. I think that part is coming. I, I really think it, 
it was just more like surreal to to me and that that it was just like like really like you know it was kind of like I, I I own a I own a house like I mean there was this whole like kind of thing is like this disbelief you know I mean I think that was like the overwhelming sort of emotion of just being like wow this is kind of crazy you know like I don't actually believe this finally happened you know I mean it's something that I knew was inevitable you know and I, I hoped it would would eventually happen but like after so long of just not having it I guess I just didn't you know, it wasn't sinking in, you know, I mean, it just didn't seem real. Like, I mean, I was like, I don't, I don't, like, somebody's gonna come take this away from me now is what I felt like. I, th- I think I'm, yeah, I'm becoming more proud of it, you know, as, as, it, as it settles in and less of that, you know, kind of amazement, you know, disappears. And it's just like more like, you know, it's like, wow, yeah, like, I, I, am, I am proud of it. Why now? You know, the switch, I, I don't know. I mean, it's like, I guess it was just, it, it felt like time, you know? It was just like, I wanted it finally, is probably it. You know, that was the difference. It was finally like, I want a house now. You know, I want my own bathroom now. Like, I want my own shower. Like, um, and those things, I, I just didn't, they, they weren't important to me at all. Like, they, they had just very, very little value to me for the last, you know, 13 years. And I think I finally got to the point, it's like, okay. You know, like, I'm ready to, like, you know, not epic around trying to find a place to sleep or, you know, like, you know, trying to find a place to take a shower. And, and I was like, you know, I think maybe I'm ready, you know. I, I, my goal is to be here for three months. And I'm, so I'm going to be on the road the rest of the time still. So it's not a full transition yet. It's still like I'm easing into it. Looking back at that decision that you made to leave school at 18 or 19, do you, do you think that you had the life that you have now in mind? That, that you'd become a photographer and a pro climber and it would lead to all these places? Did you ever think that you'd end up like being able to buy a house through that? You know, that was not the goal. That is for sure. I mean, I never was like, oh, I want to be a professional climber and photographer. I mean, it was more just like, no, I, I just want to go climbing. You know, and everything else was kind of a, a byproduct, you know, not, chan- you know, following the standard four years of college and getting a, a normal, more of a, a standard nine to five job. I mean, I mean, I guess part of it was about not wanting to do that, but part of it was just like I wanted to do something else, you know, so much more that that just didn't fit. Buying a house and, and you know, changing my life a little bit has you know, brought upon, a, you know, definitely some, re- you know, reflection and stuff. And, you know, I'm pretty, pretty proud of kind of, how I chose to do it, how it worked out. And, you know, I, I'm happy that I really just chose to, to, to always choose, like, to follow the thing I wanted to do. I, I'm happy that I was aware enough to make those decisions, you know, to really just always follow that thing that was, like, the most important to me. It's, it's worked out, you know, and I'm not sure, you know, it would work out for everybody. I have no idea, but I, I think it often does, you know, when people really choose to, to kind of follow what, you know, you, you, you love to do and what you believe in. Like, people pay attention to that. People notice that, you know, and, and, and people then want to, to help you, you know. I'm pretty happy with, you know, how it worked out.
Don't worry everyone, Mikey has not all of a sudden become a couch potato or splurge on an HBO cable package. In the last few weeks, he's been in Washington, Alaska, Montana, and Wyoming, living his life in his vision. Check out his incredible Instagram feed at Mikey Likes Rocks. Music today by Bright Eyes, Caribou, Modest Mouse, and Cassettes Won't Listen, all courtesy of Mevio's Music Alley. You can find the complete list of songs at our website, dirtbagdiaries.com, where you can also find t-shirts and donate to the diaries. We've been overwhelmed by the outpouring of support. It goes such a long way for us, and it's going to help us get to the next level. Incredible. We appreciate all the donation, whether it's been $5 or 1000 the diaries are made possible by Kuat Racks, makers of a better bike rack. Ours has been getting a lot of action this summer, which is awesome. Thanks, Kuat. Visit them online at kuatracks.com. New Belgium Brewing also makes our world go round, especially during hot summer nights. Visit them online, newbelgium.com. And as always, the good people at Patagonia make the diaries possible. Sometimes it's easy to take what Patagonia has done for us for granted. The community surrounding the diaries, everything. It's been a result their commitment to this show, and they've done this for the better part of seven years. There's no company quite like Patagonia. Thank you, and to all the good people. Thanks to them and all the good people that work there. We've got an incredible set of stories headed your way this summer. Happy travels. I'm Fitz Cahal, and you're listening to the Dirtbag Diaries. <laughs>